0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beauty! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick, Jr. That is me, uh, back from the 4th of July holiday with me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman. Uh, And it felt right as we were coming on to the show, I angrily heard my father, Mike Golick, Sr., who is back with us today, cursing the technology on his computer that he couldn't figure out yet again. Dad, good morning. How you doing?
1: Yeah, it was a uh, uh, right at the end. Five seconds ago, I got it done. That's all I got to say. So, Nobody would have known had you not told them that there was that behind the scenes, you know, duck under the water, moving their feet really fast while it looked calm. So thank you for throwing me under the bus. I appreciate that very much. And yes, I, I missed a, a couple of shows. My, uh, and I know Mike mentioned it. My, my mother passed away uh, last Thursday. And listen, she's 92 years old. She lived a great life for 91 and a half of those years she was self sufficient up to driving a car and working out in the backyard and the garden and such so it is while i'm i'm certainly very sad i lost my mother no doubt about that the life she lived was fantastic and i think we would all sign up for 91 and a half years of self sufficiency and then you know passing at 92 i know i know i would take that in a heartbeat she was a great lady my dad passed about uh, 10 years ago actually they had we had the funeral July 3rd for my mom and 10 in 2013, July 3rd, we had the funeral for my dad. So exactly 10 years apart, which is kind of, kind of wild. Um, but like I said, very sad. She is gone. Um, but I, I, she lived a great life. So it was in my eyes at the funeral, kind of a celebration of life. So that's, that's kind of the way I took it. Um, and, and she got to see her three great grandkids, which are anywhere from a year to a few months, to 9, to 10, 11 months old in the last couple of weeks again. So, all good. Um, while, again, sad, all good on on her life, what she had, and the people she left behind. It was uh, it was a very, very nice ceremony. So, that is where I was, and now I am back to, uh, why not, go right into to talk about eating hot dogs.
0: Yeah, that uh, does seem, in, in its own way, very weirdly appropriate, given the situation, so... Uh, we do have plenty of hot dogs to get to. We do have that to get to, but yeah, it it was definitely much more celebration of life than it was anything else. And I feel like dad, when it is that set up, because you know, for you, we're going through old things, had old pictures up. Of Grandma Kate from back in the day, and you get to see so many people from so many different portions of life for her. That you get a lot of these great stories about this person. Who I'm sure for you, I mean, you know all of them, you lived all of them, you've seen them. But for a lot of us in the grandkid grandkid contingency, hearing from people along the way, you know, her aunt, our aunt V, who had been friends with her for seventy years. The concept of knowing someone and having your best friend be someone you've known for seventy years was wild. To me they had been at the wedding at sydney's wedding cutting it up this last april going out to the casino drinking southern comfort it's amazing to comprehend that and so seeing just you know the kinds of people that you've been able to keep around for so long was really really cool
1: yeah you you don't you don't see 70 plus year friendships an awful lot I mean my brother Bob's the oldest and he's 65 so she was our mother for I'm 60 greg is 62. So we're all in our 60s, but she was friends uh, with some of these women, especially uh, uh, my Aunt V, who isn't really my aunt, but that's we all we all know that. We all kind of go through the people that were close to you. They become like our aunts and uncles, uh, that they were friends for so long. And it was pretty wild as we start the process of cleaning out the house, which I'm sure many people have done who have lost their parents. You You start to really reminisce about things, and for you grandkids coming in, and kind of going through the house and go wow I didn't know this or I didn't know that it's that was that was pretty neat to see uh, as the house was getting cleaned out but yeah what what a life I mean they had a they had a group they called them the club unique they all grew up together and these were we were all were, were friends for 50 60 70 years and there's still some people left in the group it it's, it's amazing you just you don't see that anymore but it, it, I'm sure in some places it is like that and it's a very cool thing but I, I don't know, Mike, if you'll have I ever had a friend for 70 some years. um You know, the, the, the one I will is if your mother and I are married for over 70 years, <laughs> you know, that will have been my friend for over 70 years. But it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing how close this group all was and still is. It, it was pretty, pretty wild. Club
0: Unique is my favorite thing that comes out of that. A group of people who liked hanging out so much, they just gave themselves an official nickname and used that as the basis for a friend group that was going to help raise this village of children. It's incredible. That's the one thing I need to talk with my friends about. We've got to do a better job of starting to try and come in and create things like this because I am very worried I will not have a Club Unique to give my offspring eventually at some point. So we're going to work on that, but uh, uh, again... Like you said, you did a great job talking at the funeral too, Dad, and, and and kind of helping put into context that great life well lived. So sure, it was a, a hard day in a lot of ways like that, yeah. but uh, definitely uh, you know, uh, like you said, more of a celebration than anything else. So thank you. There were people that you know reached out and gave well wishes and sent kind regards. So we appreciate that yeah. from everyone. You know, we really do. we do have a, a great show today. We we promise, as always, you can you know download, subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff um we've got a lot of the dame lillard stuff dad you've been off since really the end of the show last thursday and right so we haven't gotten to get into a lot of the dame lillard news with you and some of the stuff that's gone on an nba free agency because i think there's some interesting like existential sports questions about what franchises o-star players and what's at stake right now for portland as a franchise as a small market team the smallest market i believe in the nba as they step forward into this new realm. But you mentioned it before, Dad. Uh, Dogs and buns were flying yesterday, so we uh, were off on July 4th because I had travel issues, so we didn't get to do the lead-up show into one of your and I's favorite events, the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. And Dad, were you, like me, terrified at the prospect that yesterday, because of weather, we actually almost had this event canceled? I don't know if you can actually have 4th of July at this point of Joey Chestnuts not out there baptizing hot dogs and buns.
1: Well, I mean, Joey Chestnut was out there trying to get all the eaters together saying, we're doing this. You know, it was wild because on social media, there were reports it was canceled. But if you looked at the bottom line where it was going to be on ESPN2, they kept saying it was just a weather delay, a weather delay because there was lightning at Coney Island and everybody was seeking shelter. So obviously they had to delay this thing. But then there seemed to be the miscommunication or maybe that's just Twitter uh, somebody said yeah. it was canceled and everybody ran with it. Who knows? Because TV never did. ESPN 2 never did. They always said weather delay. And then it was supposed to be a noon, oh, a noon start, right? And I think it ended up being a two o'clock start. So it was like two hours delayed. But yeah, I mean, Twitter was going nuts. Like, you can't cancel this. Put it indoors. Put up a tent. Everybody was losing their mind over. I mean, this is, this is about a staple as there is that we have in this country, that there's going to be fireworks on the 4th of July in the evening, and in the morning, we're going to have a hot dog eating contest, which pretty much Mickey Sudo and Joey Chestnut are going to win until otherwise noted.
0: Yeah, and I guess that is maybe what this helped do. Like you said, that communication ends up, I think, helping continue to build the mythology around Joey Chestnut. Because like you mentioned, so Joey Chestnut won again now for the 16th time in the last 17 hot dog contests. He had set, uh, 63 hot dogs and buns this time around. Mickey Sudo won on the women's side yet again with 39 and a half hot dogs there. And the delay certainly played a factor in that, Dad. But I think the biggest thing that was produced was we've had the same champions by and large for the last number of years now. With Joey, we mentioned it's the second time he's eight-peated. It's the second time he's won eight hot dog contests in a row. And so we're getting the UConn women's basketball problem where you've got one person winning all this so much so that they've had to make a show of the second place finish. Uh, that they tried to do yesterday but last year you had a protester run on stage that Joey choked out in the middle of the contest in route to still winning by 20 dogs and in this year you've now got the built-up mythology of him going out there and rallying the troops and getting them back there to maybe mask the odor of a contest that's become so lopsided and doesn't look like it's got any shot of finding a worthy challenger in the immediate future.
1: Yeah, you wonder when that's going to happen. Cause again, as you mentioned, he had 62. The most he's ever had is the record of 76. And then for Mickey, she had 39 and a half. Her most ever has been 48 and a half and had her ninth win, as you said. So that's what we're waiting for. So to me, it seems wild to say because then all on Twitter is like, where is Joey Chestnut as far as the greatest athletes? Will Chamberlain won 11 titles. Well, Joey has 16. You know, and a lot of a lot of people say, "Well, Kobayashi isn't in it anymore," so that's been the guy that was the challenger for him. So, where, where do we put Joey Chestnut with the greatest run of championships? And is he gonna? I think second place was forty nine, so that's still even though Joey was off, that's thirteen hot dogs and buns less. So. You wonder, where is the competition going to come from? Dare I say, it's kind of like when Tiger Woods was dominating for a number of years, right? Did we like that, or did we want to see him challenged? It, it's kind of, you know, what flavor of ice cream do you like? Do you like to see that one person, that one team dominate, or do you want to see more parody? Because right now, Joey Chestnut is what Tiger Woods was at a PGA Tour when it was him against the field. And even more, because this is the one event we're talking about where in in golf you have the four uh, majors every year and nobody's close to him. No, I mean, nobody is close to Joey. So it's either going to take Joey falling off or one of these competitors or somebody coming out of nowhere to that's going to challenge Joey. Or how long is this string going to go? Could he get to 20? I wonder if he has a number in mind you know, that he wants to do. Because he does about 20 of these contests a year, but this is the main one, and he's on 16 right now. It's absurd.
0: I, I do wonder, and I hadn't considered that, if Joey Chestnut, like a lot of athletes, has that number in his head where he'd be satisfied or he wants to hit where he may actually hang up the mustard belt. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're gonna do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker, because that was gonna directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps, so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is gonna benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com/gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com/gojo code 25gojo. So, Dad, before that, we turn the page on hot dogs and buns, and again, congratulations to Joey and Mickey. I do feel like there's something comforting when it comes to dominance in one area about it being this particular sport on this particular holiday because I think for the most part, people like the comfort of being able to turn on the TV and knowing Joey Chestnut is going to baptize some hot dogs. That's why people were so up in arms that thought of it being canceled because we just kind of need this as a marker of this is the time of year. This is a, p- a part of the holiday. Now it's tradition essentially. And so we get that. I got to call the Nathan's hot dog eating contest twice while I was at ESPN. It's the one thing I would say that I got to do at ESPN that you didn't get to do that yep. you were pretty jealous of, and so I got asked the question a lot in the lead up to that. As you're getting ready and doing all the prep, which is a lot like doing the prep for a football game. For people that aren't aware, like I was taking over for Adam Mean, so I was calling him. I was doing play by play. I'd never done that before, so right. I'm nervously asking Adam Amin questions about how to do play by play for a contest that he had done so successfully the night before. But one of the things you get asked in all the interviews in the lead up is, how many hot dogs and buns do you think you could take down in that ten? minute window that they're at there so dad you guys did a lot of stuff with the competitive eaters yep. over the years on mike and mike did you ever actually line up and try and do hot dogs and buns
1: not hot dogs and buns we brought a, f- a few of the, the eaters in during mike and mike after i had lost a bet so i had to go against them and it was it was wings but it was boneless wings that we ate and obviously yeah. we shortened the time you know it was more made for tv but i never did the hot dog so i always wondered. You know, how, how many I could get? I do think I could get to double digits. I mean, I, I do, you know, get the hot dog down first. And then the, the gross part is you'd have to wet the bun, right? To make it go yeah. down easier. They stick the bun in water and it's something obviously we're not used to doing. So that would take a little bit of grossness to get used to. So it would just kind of disintegrate in your mouth so you could get more. But I gotta believe double digits somewhere, right? I mean, we would we would have. I mean, we're an eating family. We would have to be able to now. And I wouldn't be racing unbelievably fast because I know I would wear down. So I would just try and get kind of a steady pace going. But I I do wonder what I'm afraid to do it because of how it would make me feel. Um, but yeah. I, I do think could could we hit twenty?
0: Oh no, absolutely no, 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 no. I did. No, no, I don't no. think, I think so. Yeah. I think 10 is the number where I'd be comfortable saying on the best day, if I get the prime weather conditions, the dogs are running fast that day, I could make. I think between 8 and 10 is where I'd feel comfortable. Yeah. 20, you're probably going to have to get the paddles out and re- revive me. If I yeah, manage to get true. 20 dogs in my person, because I'll never forget, Dad, you mentioned. Seeing those guys up close and personal. I did a, an eating exhibition with Joey Chestnut once before the uh, national championship down in Bat- uh, in New Orleans when Clemson and LSU were playing, and it was beignets. So we went and did a beign- and I mean, oh. they were the full like size of your fist beignets on right. a boat. It was me, him, and then one of the local <laughs> guys there that was a competitive eater from the area, and we had four minutes to do this on Facebook Live. I was very proud of myself. I ate 14 beignets in four minutes at wow, that exhibition. Wow, okay. Felt pretty good about that. Like you said, I went and roamed it. I had the water right there. I was dunking them a little bit to try and wet them to go down because the one bit of advice I got was these are powdered beignets, so if you breathe in, you're going to have yeah. a really bad time. So I thought I'd wet <laughs> down that. I, I kid you not, I'm not making this number up. In four minutes, Joey Chestnut, who was right next to me, ate 72 of them. It's stunning. I mean, it's it's just stunning. It was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in person. I equated it to being like having to pull your car over on the side of the highway during like really, really fast traffic going past you. I had to stop myself from gawking at him during it because it was just so impressive. I thought he was going to reach over and start eating off my plate. So these guys are just built at a different speed because then he went and drank beers in the parking lot after. It was a slow Tuesday for
1: him. That is the amazing thing of of the aftermath. Obviously, my fear, too, would be what they call reversal of fortune. If you throw up, you're disqualified. And plus, it'd be really embarrassing to regurgitate. And then at the end, chipmunking. You know, do you chipmunk at the end of of that thing and put all in your mouth that you can because it then would count? I, I think a lot of people believe they could eat more than they really could. I don't think it's a fact of getting it down, but then when how full do you feel when you're just not used to it? You just arbitrarily jump into some contest. You start stuffing food in your pie hole and you're not used to it and how quickly you would fill up and start to be sick and you keep trying to pile stuff on top of it. So I'm glad you got that experience of it. That's always good when you're going to call an event, but you have experience in the event to kind of know at least a tiny bit of what they're going through. And yes, that's one of the one of the, one of the things I'm definitely jealous of you that you got to cover that and I never did in my 20 some years, uh, at ESPN. That is a definite regret because that would be, it seems like it'd be such a ball. Cause you know what? They're good people. They're fun people too. They're very nice people.
0: Well, and like a lot of them now, like this is serious training for them. They want to be taken seriously as athletes because they're putting in that kind of work. And so it was cool to be able to kind of experience it in that way, get to know a couple of them throughout the process. You know, uh, Mickey and uh, her husband, Nick, who right. uh, I believe finished fourth in the contest this year, friends of the show, he did. had been out a couple of weeks ago for National Donut Day.
1: So I did see, because again, it is July, and this is what we do in podcasts and radio and everything, is you do Mount Rushmore's. And of course, you saw up there, does Joey Chestnut belong on the all-time sports Mount Rushmore? And the other names thrown out were Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps, Joey Chestnut, and I forgot who some of the other ones were. But that that is classic, classic July sports talk, is the Mount Rushmore. But I thought I thought I'm sure we have done that in the past, but again, Joey Chestnut would he belong on that? Because some people are grossed out by this event, and some people are mad because to say it's a waste of food. Understand, Nathan's donates hundreds of thousands of hot dogs to people who who are food insecure, so they donate a ton of food. So I mean, I I, I hope everybody could understand that and not, but but they get grossed out again by, by the eating, but. I think it's so cool, and and you do. You wonder, does Joey Chestnut belong on the Mount Rushmore of all-time athletes? Without question. What this man (laughs) has done to glizzies
0: is worth our all-time thanks and praise there. And for the people that are grossed out by it, I assure you, you are never going to be as grossed out by it as the eaters themselves were when during the pandemic we had to do this contest inside without fan noise. They were actually begging the people inside to crank up the ambient music so they couldn't hear the sounds of each other chewing and guzzling hot dogs indoors (laughs) on a hot day. All right, guys, summer's in full swing and you need a go-to pair of great sunglasses that you don't got to baby or worry about the entire time. Knockaround is the go-to for quality polarized sunglasses that aren't going to break the bank, aren't going to lighten your wallet this summer, and going to leave you looking and feeling phenomenal. Plus, Right now, too, just in time for All-Star Weekend. They have released the first nine teams of their MLB collection. You've got the Red Sox and the Yankees in there, obviously. Maybe you want to support the hometown team All-Star Weekend, throw on a little Marlins action here, look good, feel good maybe you're really hyped for the Women's World Cup and you want to support the women's soccer team here, go to a little USA action. We're coming off the 4th of July. You can add a little something to that game day outfit to look and feel phenomenal. So don't be the person squinting at the sun, worried about getting sand in their overpriced shades. Check out knockaround.com for great looking polarized sunglasses at just $28. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLID. Only on the DK Horse app. Uh, So, Dad, over the weekend uh, when you were uh, away from the show with us, a lot of the Damian Lillard news has taken center stage in the NBA right now after he requested a trade, wants to finally move off of Portland after over a decade out there trying to make it happen, trying to be the guy who stayed, trying to be the guy who didn't, in his own words, describing Paul George, uh, run from the grind. Uh, now we've got this in the crosshairs here. Dad, first off, any of this really surprising to you with Damian Lillard that we finally got to this breaking point with him?
1: No, no, not surprising at all. Listen, we've talked about Dame for years about getting out there if he wanted to win a championship. I know they've gotten somewhat close years ago, but you know, not making the playoffs last year, and then Dame saying you know, he was basically hoping they would trade that pick for a ready-made player to make a run and they didn't And it was scooter Henderson uh, with that, with that third pick. So now there's going to be that discussion and I know we're going to have, and I, and I've seen it on other sports shows is, you know, is Dane going to start to get some criticism, you know, for doing this? And what's, I heard you, you, you talked about before, what's the loyalty old back and forth. My thought has always been now I, I came at, at it from an average player who had really no interaction with management at all. It was, you know, a meritocracy. I had to play well enough for them to want to keep me on the team. You know, and nowadays you have to do that with the cap involved and all that as well. And I had always said, man, <clears throat> they owe you nothing. You owe them nothing. Okay. They sign you to a deal. Uh, they pay you to go play and that's what you go do. So don't get emotionally attached. Don't make it personal. Understand it's a business. Now, What differs today, I think, Mike, is the fact that if you are talking to or involved with management about the direction of the team, then it makes it a little more dicey. You know, and that's what I don't know. How much was Damian Lillard talking to management about this? Did he just let his feelings be known in social media? Was his agent telling you know, management there. What was that relationship? Cause we've seen in football, especially with the quarterbacks, you know, I'd like to be involved in, in, in who we're picking in the draft. And in all honesty, management can say, you know, you know, hit the bricks on that one. They said, that's our job. You go on the field and play and we'll pick the players for you to play. But you're talking about massaging relationships. So do you make people feel like they're a little more evolved, involved, I should say, in the equation? And that's what I don't know. How much was he involved if at all in any equation? If he was involved and there was a back and forth then you would have hoped there would have been a concrete understanding of, "Hey, you take a player with that third pick, a youngster, I think I'm probably going to want out of here." You know, but but I don't know if that was just kind of floating in the ether or was said. So that's what I would need to know because for the most part I stand by what I said. It's a business you owe them nothing, they owe you nothing. It's contract, you get paid incredibly well, and you go play ball.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the one thing, I, because I've seen the criticism from some people of what you pointed out, the organization, Dame saying his preference is to play for the Miami Heat, which is what I believe the report was from Ramona Shelburne and Woj at ESPN, and people pointing out they don't owe him that on the back half of this for services rendered. You've got uh, GM and Joe Cronin, who's here, who I don't believe has been here for the entire tenure with Dane. Right. You've got right. ownership that's different now. Paul Allen, who had been the owner there until 2018, who unfortunately passed away from cancer. His sister Jody's in charge of the estate. And there's some thoughts. I heard Amin El Hassan on the Dan Lebitard show in the local hour talking about, there is also the background noise of this might be a team that's going to be sold at some point in the near future and how that factors into all this, but people making the bottom line point that they don't owe Dame some thanks for your service. We'll take less in return package on the way out of here nope. in the same breath though. I would say dad, that yeah, Damian Lillard, it sounds like made it clear through the reports that we heard coming out through one thing or the other, Hey, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. That seemed to have been on wax for a while him saying he didn't want to be part of a youth movement. And so I have to imagine from ownership side and from Joe Cronin side, there was some understanding the minute you took Scoot Henderson with that third pick and didn't move that for another star player that was going to help Dame win now as Dame is around my age. is like 33, 32 years old getting ready for the twilight of his career that that was going to be the breaking away point for everyone now. And so Damian Lillard has the same leverage, dad, that I feel like every star player in the NBA has, which is the ability to make things difficult for a team based on his outsized importance there, right? Because we could talk about his influence and trying to get people over there. His influence on the court, he has been the trailblazers for a decade plus now. And so on the back half of that with his number... It is, one, not something that I'm sure you want to deal with that discomfort closer and closer to the season, even though other teams know this guy wants out and so it affects you leverage-wise. But, Dad, if you're Portland, you've got to set yourself up for your basketball future, and this is going to be the best asset that you have to do that probably for another 10 years unless you really nail the Scoot Henderson pick.
1: Yeah, listen, they didn't like the package right now from Miami because uh, that's the team it looks like Dame wants to go to. Looks like there's going to have to be a third team involved in that. But, you know, I, I I saw somewhere where it said the only critique you could make of Lillard is he could have communicated his request before the Blazers reportedly agreed to that extension for Jeremy Grant, a five-year 160. I disagree with that as well. I mean, if the team was wondering, you know, you. When you're talking about that kind of money, I don't understand why there's not more. Maybe there was communication. If you're just hoping, let's sign Jeremy Grant to this extension and it'll show Dame that we're, right. that we're, we're ready to go. If you truly are wondering that, ask him. Say, Hey, Dame, we know, we, you know what's going on out there, right? We know he had said if you, if you draft a guy with three, You know, I'm not, don't want to be part of youth movement. How about saying, hey, Dame, we're going to extend this guy. You know, what can we do if you truly want him back and want to work something out? There would be communication. If there's not, then I don't want to hear any criticism for Dame to say, oh, we should have let him know. They should have let him know that before the extension. And also on Portland's side, their job now is to get the most assets they can. Not to make Dame happy. Listen, I know it was a great relationship, and you'd love it to end in, in an amicable, amicable, great way. But the job of Portland is to put the best team on the court for the Portland Trailblazers. That means, and you're right, they're not going to have an asset like this for a long time that they can trade. They need to maximize this deal if they're going to trade him and get all they can in return. I mean, this at the I'll continue to say it. It is a business, and that's the way you have to treat it. And if y'all didn't communicate enough, then that, that's on y'all, not, not, not any individual person.
0: I like the idea of the uh, Jeremy Grant contract as the marital version of having a kid to try and save the relationship. Like, I know, instead of like going to therapy and talking to this out, we'll just have a baby and that'll solve all the problems here. A five year, however many million dollar, $160 million dollar baby with Jeremy Grant, who has to be sitting over there going, I don't care who we're playing next to here. I'm rich now. So y'all can go and figure out your little business over here. I'll be figuring (laughs) out. what businesses I want to invest in over on this side. Dad, ultimately with where it is now, because it, it is a difficult spot where anytime you've got a player in their camp publicly saying, this is where I want to go, it really sort of kneecaps you in negotiations. We heard that a couple other teams interested in this include the Philadelphia 76ers, who that one's fascinating to me, Dad, what you prioritize if you are Portland in trying to get back in return because we've heard Tyler hero might be kind of a sticking point in the conversation right. with Miami. Right. But if you're Portland dad, do you prioritize long-term? Do you want to try and acquire more draft capital, acquire more things that you can take shots at getting players through that system? Cause Portland, you're never really going to be a free agent destination or, Do you look at a team like the 76ers and say, well, James Harden wants out of there. We've got Dame Lillard who wants out of there. I know the Sixers are acting like Tyrese Maxey's the second coming of Christ and aren't going to move him at all. But if there's another player you can come up off like that, (laughs) Do you try and go and keep a name involved, sort of the way Sam Presti and Oklahoma City did for a long time, just so that you have something to put asses in seats at this point? Because that's the other fear, right? If you're a small market team, not having a draw currently if you don't have a star player the way you've been accustomed to for a decade.
1: Well, you got to – in my opinion anyway, you have to build for a championship. So what's the way? Jeremy Grant, again, who they signed with the extension is 29, Right. So Scooter Henderson's going to get all the love and right now and the press as the young guy coming in to help Portland, right? Dame is out, Scooter is in, he's the guy. Uh, so how then do you build? That That's a great question. It seems to me like they're not going to be able to build right now for a championship. So I think the pieces you need to bring in from a player aspect, forgetting the draft, because you know you're getting young players there if you get picks, but from a player aspect is don't get a player that's too old. You know, but, but I do get it because you are the balancing act of we need to put a viable product out there because we didn't make the playoffs last year to keep putting people in the seats. So is, is there that name guy, which would be great as long as that name guy is going to be there for a little while and you can build around him and through the growth of a Scooter Henderson over the next couple of years and then to acquire more assets uh, like draft picks to, to go ahead and build that team. But I don't think this is a team right now through the trade where you're going to build and say we are going to be competitive and pushing for the title right now. I think it's a building, it's a couple of your stepping stones for Portland.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the right way to go about it. Like, you know, even jokes about the Portland strip club seeing a sign. I don't think James Harden, even at that, would be the kind of player that would probably motivation wise be at his best out in Portland or just situationally no. for you. you'd be caught between worlds if you're that team. So building towards the future is probably going to be your best route. And then hoping you manage to just draft really well, which is kind of what you have to do, which is what the track record of the organization has been so far, but For Joe Cronin, now you've got to kind of show, all right, I I can leverage this situation. I'm not going to go and get embarrassed on the big stage right now by these players because, Dan, I'm sure that's the fear if you're Joe Cronin and you see this especially positioned against Miami, who is this hyper-competent organization, who does have Pat Riley and Spo and all these people that are looked at as the best at what they do in basketball. Because at the end of the day, I ultimately think, players, star players in this league get what they want. And usually that ends up being the case. So I'd imagine, to me, the simplest solution is they find a third team that's able to grease the wheels enough to get Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat. And then we get to kind of see how high the fire rises. Like, that to me, seeing Damian Lillard be in discussions with a team that's an actual contender is going to be a joy. And now for Miami, who – like, Dad, I've been fascinated so – when we have that conversation about what the potential for this actually is here. I feel like Dame is in the perfect sweet spot to where I don't know how we hold this against him. I understand Paul George went on his podcast and brought up comments Damian Lillard made about him back in the day when Paul George was sticking with teams, talking about running from the grind, talking about being afraid to work there with a team. But I feel like after as long as Dame has been in Portland, that argument kind of goes by the wayside and he's allowed to go and explore this while he's still got some of his best basketball years left. And this would be still something we look and say, oh yeah, huge resume a boosting win for dame lillard and not an indictment the way that people treated it like with kevin durant
1: yeah listen we we know how this works all, all your past comments come back to haunt you right i'm staying yeah. here i want to build here and now i'm leaving so it could be 20 years and people be like oh you hypocrite you hypocrite you didn't mean what you said i mean you almost can't win but you're not thinking about it when you're in your fourth or fifth year when when people are saying maybe you need to get out of there, and he's like, no, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. All that stuff can come back to haunt you, and he can't worry about that. You're never going to please everybody. I think he's got a well. You want to say a lot of respect different than this is the era though where players bop around. So I it doesn't affect me one bit. You know, I know when Stu has his fun and saying. <laughs> Kevin Durant really has no championships because he went, I don't buy into that. I don't have a problem with, with guys moving. I know it didn't happen when I played back in the day. They didn't do that. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't the freedom and the player power like there is now. Because look at now, a player in the NBA says, I want to trade a star player. They're going to get traded. A a star player in the NFL says that they're going to get like, yeah, oh, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. That's not happening. You can stay with the team or not get paid. You know, it just doesn't work like that in the NFL. Uh, But the NBA, it does. So there is the part of – there's a lot of balls to juggle if you're Portland, Do you trade him if he wants out? Do you trade him where he wants to go? You got to get the best deal you want, but you want to make it look like you're working with the player for the next star player that you hope to have on your team. They see that you treated that, the, the outgoing player pretty well. So you have that good relationship. It's just, it's just a lot because the one thing I had said when, and again, I come at it from a different view. But I I took some things personal with the Eagles when I left in free agency for Miami. And it was dumb on me. So I have just been touting to any, you know, when I talk with athletes about free agency and stuff. uh, that I've said this for decades now. Don't take it personal. And it's hard. It's hard, especially when you've been with a team for a while. You've been the face of that team. You think there should be some personal connection. And then at the end, you find out, man, this really is just a business. And yeah, you, you want it to be more, you so want it to be more, but 99.9% of the time, it's not. And the player needs to, to do what's right for the player, and the team needs to do what's right for the team. And whoever has the most leverage, a lot of times, wins in those situations.
0: Yeah, I think that's always the most disconcerting part for a player above a certain level because when you're a star, right? Like you mentioned, most players don't have a relationship with the front office. You don't see those people, but when they either, back in the day, used to actually physically sign your checks or when the direct deposit hits that you think about them. But for everyone else, like for some of the star level guys, when you are the face of the franchise, there's a little bit more of a feeling that you're them. And when you realize you're with the rest of us, that's kind of a cold splash of water for a lot of these guys. But, Dad, you mentioned it, how players will look at this, because it seemed pretty obvious there was kind of a leak from Dame's camp, I think, about people saying other star players are watching how Portland's going to do that. In general, I agree with that notion that word of mouth is still one of the strongest sales pitches you have. That's college or pro, right, when it comes to recruiting in college, when it comes to free agency and professional sports money's always going to win, but if it's comparable and the situations are close, people talk about, hey, this is kind of how they treat you around here. These are the amenities. We saw that when the NFL, when the NFLPA put out that report card of all the different parts right. of the organization ranked by the players in that blind survey about how they get down in each of these areas. I saw Ryan Rossillo and some guys push back for Portland specifically on this notion that it would be all that important for them just because, Dad, they're never going to be able to play in the free agent part like everyone else. And I think that's worth noting, right? This is like what we saw in Jacksonville when they had to overpay the Jags to get Christian Kirk to come there as a wide receiver. Because if the money's comparable... Yeah, you've got a quarterback to sell on, which is a little different in the NFL when you've got dependent positions, but in the NBA, if you're Portland, you're going to have to Jeremy Grant this thing. You're going to have to throw money at people to try and ease that problem because being on a level field and then having people know you treat your stars the right way probably won't net you the same return there, and I do think Ryan is right about that.
1: Hey, winning begets winning, right? I mean, why yeah. do we think, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, when they're doing their winning, why they're getting so a lot of the top recruits? Because they're winning. Not only are they winning, but their players are going on to the NFL. So it's exactly what the five stars want to see. So that's what happens. So you get the the organizations out there that are winning. You're a star player. You can go there and you know you're going to get paid with these max extensions or extensions that you can sign. So it basketball players are in a great position right now play a, a, a position of power uh, more than any other sport out there I think where they can control their movement but uh, again it goes back to what I said earlier what was the relate what's the relationship because you said dame did dame's camp leak something out you know do players, If they want to be involved, do they go to management and say, hey, I'd like to be involved in what's going on, or do they feel they're too big and management should come to them and say, hey, Mr. Superstar of our team, we want you involved in this. I just think at the end of it, and this is in a lot of places, and I've talked about this as well, there's just a lack of communication on what we want to do to go forward. What's the plan going forward? You know, you have exit meetings all the time with players, right? What a great opportunity to sit down with Dame and say, Dame, what's going to make you stay here? And then Portland decides, do you want to do that to have him stay there? Or what's the conversation? Man, at least when you talk to somebody face-to-face, everybody understands the situation. Everybody understands now it's right there. Well, this is what they said. Now, if they don't do it and lie to you, that's a whole different thing. But to have that conversation with the star player to at least know what the footing is within that organization.
0: I don't doubt that they knew what the stakes were going into it, but I think now on the back end, it's a lot of people in an obvious situation trying to publicly in different ways jockey for leverage in this situation to get what they want done. And for Dame, he wants to go and play in Miami. And for Portland, they want to show the rest of their league that they can do business in this way and not get taken advantage of as their star player exits the franchise. All right, let's get ready to finish this thing off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off your day. Send you on out to your merry way. Uh, As always, you can download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating for people today that were wondering where uh, Charlotte Wilder was for a Wilder Wednesday. We're back to keeping you on your toes. It sounds like because of holiday travel, we'll be in the market for maybe a Wilder Friday. So keep your eyes up and your ears peeled for that. Uh, Charlotte will be back in those ears pretty soon here. but. Dad, why don't we get to a a few stories to finish this off and start with some good news out of the NFL. We know we're kind of in the doldrums right now, getting ready for training camps, post-mini camps, all those things going on. But got some really good news for one player, Foster Moreau, uh, tight end uh, for the New Orleans Saints, Got some great news that his cancer is now in full remission. Um, He made the announcement some three months after he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma after a physical with the Saints. And, Dad, we've seen this a lot in sports where the physicals and the testing that we do normally, just run-of-the-mill stuff, can end up helping some of these guys save their lives. And so great news here, obviously, his football career is so secondary once you hear that word. But really happy for him, and hopefully he can now get back to doing the thing he loves to do.
1: And listen, cancer has touched everybody's lives, whether personally or family member or extended family member. We, we've all gone, th- gone through it. But I mean, j- just imagine that, you know, being in a position where you're looking to go to another team. Yeah, I got to take a physical. You think nothing of it, right? You're just going to go take a physical and then you're going to do your deal and something pops up. As you've mentioned, this has happened before that is, has that is, without question saved lives. So as you mentioned... Football aside, and, and we hope the football career goes on and is, is fantastic. But what a way to find out. And then if for it to be in remission right now, you just, you just keep hoping that it stays that way. But that is an, an incredibly great story, horrible about the cancer, but great the way it was found out, detected and now in remission.
0: Yeah, he he did treatment for six to eight hours a day for a couple of months, and his treatment actually ended the day he signed his contract with the Saints, a three-year, $12 million contract with the Saints in May. He was able to participate fully in their voluntary offseason program, and now we'll get to march forward with this good news into training camp and into the rest of the year. So uh, everyone very excited. Congratulations to Foster Moreau and his family. Uh, on what I have to imagine is the best news, even with all that in mind, that he will get in in quite some time. Um, Dad, let's get to that. Sticking on the football front here. I said this yesterday, and I feel like I actually might kind of mean it. We're getting to the point where the last dance may have done more harm than good. (laughs)
1: The documentary
0: on the 98 Bulls, the 10-part series that was a huge gift for all of us, especially in the content industry during the pandemic when we didn't have actual live sports, now has everybody thinking that their lives are worthy of a 10-part documentary. We've seen the Patriots documentaries. We've seen Derek Jeter documentaries put out. And now apparently Netflix is getting set to be the platform that will deliver a 10-part documentary on Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones worth some 50-odd million dollars. Now, it doesn't sound like the deal is fully executed yet. And, Dad, apparently we're going to get never-before-seen sit-down interview footage with the guys that were actual players on those 90s Cowboys teams that really everyone's interested, right? With Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith. But where are you at on the notion of a 10-part docu-series centered around Jerry Jones and not specifically the Cowboys?
1: Well, well, Jerry Jones is the Cowboys, isn't he? I mean, listen, so for this one, it's a little more personal to me because – that era, I mean, I was in Philly and we were playing Dallas twice a year. That was, you know, Bounty Gate. That was, uh, or, you know, that was, um, you know, the hate between Jimmy Johnson and Buddy Ryan, you know, going on then. That was the right when, or during the time they were winning their Super Bowls and built that team. So for me, I hope they show the bad and the good. Cause in 89, I think it was 89, when we played them early in the season, we had 11 or 12 sacks and I had two and a half. So I hope they show that. I hope they show some of my sacks mm-hmm. and show some of the bad side of Dallas getting beat up because then I hope on the other side when they're showing the good stuff that I'm not in those highlights, getting blocked or getting knocked down or something as Emmett Smith is running by me. So I have a bit of a personal touch in this one as how I will be, you know, how I may see some of the highlights. But also anybody who knows about that era, You can sit there and have your interviews with Troy and and Irvin and Emmett and talk about what went on the field. But everybody's going to want to know about the White House for those cowboys. Give us us the cocaine. Did they have that house? They did. And what went on there? (laughs) Will they talk about that? You know, will that be part of it? Because that's what you want. If you're going to give me a docu-series, you got to give me everything. You know, you, you can't come in and just tell me the good. There's gotta be the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's how it's gotta work. So that, that's, and so I've lived the football stuff. <laughs> I was on the field for a lot of that. So that part I don't care so much about seeing because I was there for it. But man, oh man, if they start bringing that stuff up, who is willing to talk about that? And what, uh, are they going to be able to uncover about that information? I bet you're going to get a whole lot of anonymous people giving some info about that.
0: I was going to say what I could damn sure it's going to end up being like beyond scared straight in those shows where it's just the silhouette and the throne voice because I can't imagine anybody that was actually hanging out at the white house is going to put their name on that ruin their lives with any more of that even though it would be the content that we all want like that is what everyone was waiting around for you're absolutely right save the America's team stuff save the actual championship stuff (laughs) we want to know what was going on in that damn white house uh you also have the same approach. I. Do to this dad, and most things, which is the caliber of player that I was and where you were in the NFL. I just don't want to end up on somebody else's highlight reel. I no. said, that was my only oh. goal. I played against Aaron Donald, I think his junior year of college. And my only goal when he was getting drafted was to make sure I didn't end up on the draft day highlight reel. I somehow managed to pull that off. And to this day, it's probably <laughs> my greatest career accomplishment. So I can totally understand. That's just not the place that you want to wind up. Cause I've seen how that can go for guys and it is not cute. <laughs> Dad, let's get to the third. I actually want your expertise on this area because for anyone that doesn't know, my father, one of his first jobs, I believe his first job in life was a lifeguard at the pool in the summer back in Willowick, Ohio, and we had a little bit of incident at the pool the other day. So Rick Ross, famous rapper Uh, you know, the biggest boss you've seen thus far had a viral moment at a public pool. Now I don't know why there were all these people around. I'd imagine that's just life when you're Rick Ross, but he had pubbed apparently in a lead up to this appearance at a pool that he was going to pull off some elaborate dive. He gave it some made up name that he admitted after was completely made up and nonsensical and a viral video went out of Rick Ross trying to double jump on a diving board And, Dad, there's no other way to put it, had a blowout. Flat tire, knee just buckled on him before he fell into the pool in front of a crowd of onlookers, all with their phones straight out. And I give him credit. He went to the internet after Dad and said, people have been reaching out, asking if I'm all right. He said, of course I'm not all right. I blew out my tire in front of all those people and embarrassed myself. So dad you've seen this video now is this the most embarrassing thing you've seen happen at a pool i know you've spent a lot of time around them in life
1: well it's a tough call because there's so many people there watching him and just if you're not used to doing it get the timing down of a regular one bounce springboard dive can be hard enough but he tried to double and basically if you don't time that right the board's coming back up when your feet are coming down and it makes you kind of buckle which is exactly what happened to him for me it was actually before lifeguarding I was on the swim team there as well that's the first competitive sport me and my brothers did so I was probably 10 years old and 10 years old obviously you you're there with other kids that are 8 to 10 to 15 years old it was right before swim practice and I remember you you come to practice and you usually wear your bathing suit under your shorts and you just get undressed and you go by to the pool right behind the blocks you do it and leave your clothes there well I guess I forgot to put my suit on At home, I took my shorts off, thought it was my suit, took my shirt off, my shorts off, and I walked and I was standing, getting ready to jump in the pool in my underwear. And 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 all of a sudden, everybody on the team was there and I'm looking around going, they're like, Mike. And I looked down and I freaked out. And in reality, why freak out? Your underwear is the same size as a bathing suit, but who cares? But when you're 10 years old, man, it mattered.
0: I was really just glad that didn't end with 10-year-old nudity. And this podcast won't either. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Boom. Money in the bank.